Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore all things assisted reproductive technology. I'm Ellen Trackman. I'm an attorney specialized in assisted reproductive technology law, and I'm here with my sister and colleague, Jennifer White. Oh, you've never referred to me as colleague. Colleague, I don't know. It's pretty sure. <laughs> it's so so much to describe, right? Co-director and co-podcast host. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, and I am Jennifer White, and I am the director of uh, surrogacy agency, surrogacy matching agency entity. What words are we using right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> but we are sisters, and I do have a question for you, Ellen. Yes. What ready. is something that you remember from childhood that to us seemed totally normal, but to probably everybody else in the entire world probably seemed a little strange. Because I'm sure everybody has those yeah. things, but but what is yes. yours that you remember? Uh, definitely the first thing that comes to mind is that our house had a bomb shelter. And I mean, we mostly used it for storage, like we would just put boxes in, but occasionally we'd like play in there or like hold pretend seances in there but i i think like in retrospect <laughs> it was gross, though. <laughs> a little bit unusual yeah to um to have a bomb shelter right and we for those you know the backstory is that uh jen and i grew up in los alamos new mexico which is this tiny town where they um played a big part in the Manhattan Project and helped develop the atomic bomb. So with that kind of <laughs> historical background, I guess it wasn't surprising that our house had a bomb shelter. But right. so, I, but I think most people didn't have a bomb shelter in their house growing up. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I think mine was, and I guess it's kind of related to that, since again, we grew up in a super science town. Yeah, right. Um, I remember that once we were talking about it was like during the whole cold fusion rage, which probably how many people even know what that is, um, that we were talking to dad and he's like and we were talking about heavy water and how that is part of the cold fusion process and you know like it's removing atoms from water. And like he's like, oh I'll just help you do that. And we set it up on the table and we like created heavy water on our kitchen table. And I was telling my husband about that once. And I was like, yeah, it's totally normal. We just did stuff like that. And he's like, that's not normal. Like, that, that's just not what people do. <laughs> people do not create heavy water on their kitchen table and leave it as a project for a week, you know? <laughs> right. Um. So, yeah. So, you know, the irony was, and I was thinking about this on top of that, though, is that whenever we did science fair projects, I never did anything that people would consider, like, traditional science. Like mine always were psychology based. So like the year that I went to like the big, huge science fair and I, you know, got through everything and won everything, it was a psychological based project. So that's interesting because it was like, hmm, that, that's my lifelong uh, fascination with psychology. So <laughs> oh, that is interesting. Yeah. I will also say, I mean, partly unusual. So dad, who is a nuclear engineer, came to my AP physics class and I remember him giving this lecture about building, you know, nuclear power plants and nuclear weapons. And I, the people were, I was like, it was so over my head. Sorry, dad. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, dad, what? Yeah. And then people were asking questions. I was like, how are they asking? Like, what? how are they understanding this? What is going on? Right. And that's why I'm a lawyer today and not, <laughs> not a scientist. <laughs> really sorry, dad. <laughs> 
but no, so I mean, I think it leads to my fascination of, you know, all things mental health and psychology. And like, I just apparently always had that bend. And today, guess who we have with us? Um, somebody who talks about mental health and especially dealing with children, which I think um, in the assisted reproductive technology world is really important. So we are, we're pleased to get to talk to Kim Kluger-Bell and she, um, she wrote some books uh, for children. So the very kind koala and uh, the, um, and she's just really a great resource and has some really great things to say about how to talk to your kids. So we're excited to share. Welcome, Kim Kluger-Bell, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a private practice in psychotherapy and also works at CCRM, which is Colorado Center for Reproductive Medicine, one of uh, at least Colorado's largest and most well-known um, fertility clinics, but also renowned throughout the world. But Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So, and what I didn't mention yet is that you are a renowned author in this area. So that is a, a huge honor for us to have you on since many of us have seen your books. And I was just, uh, right before we got on touting how I'd seen them at a table, I was like, we're going to interview her, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was so exciting. Do you, <laughs> do you want to start with your, your own story of what brought you to this area sure. and you, Okay. Sure. Yeah. Happy to. Yeah. Uh, no, I've been working um, in this field for many years now. Um, I had experienced infertility myself many years ago as well um, and uh, had a number of pregnancy losses and failed procedures and that kind of thing. Um, and I got, as a result of that, um, I got interested in the kind of psychological aspects of infertility problems yeah. And, and yeah. And how you, how you make it through that really, right. really tough time, you know? Um, and were you already in the mental health field? No, no, no. I actually had just, um, uh, kind of finished my degree in, um, psychotherapy and counseling and marriage and family counseling. So I was more of a generalist and, you know, uh, had studied, kind of in-depth psychotherapy and psychoanalysis and that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. So once I got, you know, personally involved in the whole field, I just got kind of swept away with that um, because there, at least at that time, was not that many people that were doing counseling in that area. And there just seemed to be a real need for it. So. And that makes sense. That when you're going through it yourself, you're looking for resources. And when you don't find them, that's that's frustrating. But I love that you're like, I could provide those resources. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for me personally, I think it's, um, you know, I think when you go through these kinds of traumas, which I think infertility and pregnancy loss really is, um, you, um, uh, there's an interesting way in which you kind of can heal through helping other people through this. I can see that. Did you, yeah. uh -huh. did you have a happy ending? Do you? I did have a happy ending. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. good. I have, yes. I have a son, uh, all grown son. Oh, that grown. happens to my hair. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But right. he, he, yeah, it was just a, a total joy to, to uh, raise and everything. And, do, I think one do of, you mind yeah, yeah. talking mm -hmm. about what what you went through on, I mean, your losses and what, you know, like what brought you through, what level of struggle you had to deal with and things like that? Because I find that oh. 
I always find that that's really helpful to people to hear that they're not alone, that they, you know, they, they had a loss and they mourned. And yeah, I mean, like just whether that's your story or not, but you know, it's always helpful to people to hear those stories too. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, we, we, um, struggled for a number of years with just trying to get pregnant and didn't know what was going on. Um, then we did, um, testing and found out that I had blocked, um, fallopian tubes, um, from, yeah, from having had an IUD actually, um, before that. So that was undetected and stuff. So, um, I did, they did surgery for it and were able to, uh, get the, the tubes, um, unblocked, you know, temporarily. And, um, I actually was able to get pregnant uh, with my son after that, which was a total joy and delight. And, you know, we, we were so, so, so happy. Yeah. Um, Can I ask what kind of IUD it was? Um, gosh, what was it called? Um, Um, the, it was a copper T. Ah, have you heard of that? I have, and they don't use copper IUDs for that no. reason, I believe, anymore. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I think they they were kind of experimental at the time that I had one, and they had no idea, you know, that it was going right. to cause that kind of damage and stuff. So, uh, I was yeah. telling Jen that I just watched this documentary called The Bleeding Edge. I don't know if you've uh, seen it. Uh-uh. It talks about medical devices and the process they go through and how they, they don't get a lot of testing. And right. a lot of it was on eShore where these women had come forward and there was this terrible um, results that they had, they had gone through. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so it just reminded yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. can be a very dicey thing. Um, that was a, sort of our first uh, part with infertility. Um, and then we wanted to have a second child and went through, I think it was two IVF cycles unsuccessfully. And one donor egg cycle as well that was not successful. Yeah, and um, and then I had a couple of ectopic pregnancies as well because of the, the tubal damage. Yeah. So um, and then you know at that point we decided you know what we're good we're good with one you know we have our happy family and so we decided to let go of all the fertility treatments. But it was a long I would say probably about five years of you know kind of struggle with the whole issue. Wow, you do really understand, right? And I say I know a lot of people. Yeah, people and a lot of people I know more in that you know even just letting oh, yeah. go at that point you have to let go of the idea. Oh of yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I really think, yeah, it's kind of the, um, uh, there are a couple of psychologists that talk about sort of the, the reproductive dream that you grow up with, um, from the time that you're, you know, a young girl, you know, either it's conscious or not conscious, like how many kids you're going to have, what your family's going to look like and all that kind of thing. And that when you come up against infertility, that all changes. And so you have to grieve the loss of that dream, uh, dream. Uh, mm-hmm. one way or another, you know? Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. Can I ask what the egg donation process looked like back then? I feel, I imagine it's changed over the years. So when you decided to explore that, did you kind of go through the thousands of profiles they have today or was no. it? Oh. <laughs> no, there was like a, this was a clinic in California where we lived in the Bay area at the time. And I think they had like one donor available, you know. Oh, I mean, and that's it. And that didn't. That was it. Oh wow. Yeah, no choices and very little information. Oh, um, what what did you? What did they tell you? Oh, I think they just. Yeah, I think it was just like a basic sort of hair color, eye color, you know, height, weight, you know, kind of thing. I think that was wow. it, basically. So 
none of this like who they do yeah. now you know the we know all of her genetics and like what diseases yeah. her sat score no and, no nothing like that right? <laughs> yeah wow. yeah it's very crazy and you know i think back to it now i think it's part of the reason that i you know got interested in continuing to work in this field was just you know at the time that i was going through egg donation even though it was not successful no one said a word to me about oh, are you going to talk to your kids about it? Or, you know, right. I, I hadn't even thought right. through that at all, you know. And uh, now it's so important to say those things to, to kids and to parents, prospective parents. Yeah. So you never got to that point of thinking, like, what will I tell my own kids? No, no. I was just so focused on trying to get pregnant again. You so know? normal. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, as an attorney in the area and these agreements, I'm like, well, what about afterwards and communication? And I, I get that same reaction where people oh, are just yeah. like, I just want to, I just want to be pregnant. I want this child. I don't want to. I'm yeah. not ready to even think about 20 years from now or 18 years oh. now or three years yeah. from now when they ask me these questions. Oh yeah, oh yeah, exactly. It's very difficult to focus on, and I do, you know, donor recipient consults for CCRM all the time, and that I get the same reaction, and I understand it, and we just figure. Okay, five years from now, they can call us up and we'll tell them what they need to know because they won't remember anything. (laughs) Do you get those calls? The the case is calling five years? Yeah, 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 we do. We do get a lot of people calling and saying, now, what was that about? How do we talk to our kids? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And what's people's attitude? These Are you seeing a shift in kind of the previous anonymous to, to more oh. people planning or where, where are people's heads mostly these days? Yeah. You mean telling their kids versus not yeah. telling and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. There's been a huge shift I'd say in the last five or six years, especially with the establishment of these genetic databases. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> and yeah. DNA testing, right? The DNA story. testing. Right. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> there are no secrets anymore. And you know, if people think that they can, uh, you know, sometimes people are worried about talking to their kids about you, the use of a donor or whatever, and we just tell them, "Yeah, but you know, it's not a it's not a bad story at all. It's a very hopeful, optimistic, wonderful story that there was this nice lady who you know gave mm-hmm. you this egg that you needed to have have this lovely child." Um, so yeah, I would say ninety nine percent of the people that we talk to nowadays are very much. Um, planning on talking to their kids. Um, and we, when we kind of talk them through how they're going to do that. Um, and the small percentage who say, we don't, we don't want to have that conversation. How do you mm-hmm. respond to that? Yeah. I mean, we just say, well, you know, of course it's up to you. I mean, you, you're the parents and you have to decide what's best for your kids and stuff, but you know, you need to know that it's very likely with, you know, DNA databases increasing yearly, um, that your kid could find out and probably will find out at some point that they're not genetically related to both parents. And then you're going to have to deal with why you didn't talk to them about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know. the, I think that's the harder part is the, why didn't you tell us, you know, in this day, especially in this day and age when everybody is hyper honest about and everything is out there yeah. all the time now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what what does that imply about, is there some shame involved? You know, is there some reason that I shouldn't have known this or you were afraid to tell me or, you know, it just brings up all kinds of questions that are not necessary if you actually are straightforward with the kid and positive about how they came into the world. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So you've written a number of books. So I know Healing from Losses is one of them. And then there's um, a couple of really great kids books, which are the ones that I frequently see. So uh, The Very Kind Koala is one. Yeah. And yeah. The P That Was Me. Do you want to <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> tell us about um, the inspiration for those books and the process for, for writing sure. those? Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, they came, you know, just the P that was me was the first book that I that I wrote. And I, I think that was about eight years ago now. And it came directly out of my, you know, almost daily talking with prospective parents about how are they going to go about talking with their kids about donor conception. Um, and I had the first book, yeah, I had written quite a bit before that, Unspeakable Losses, was written by, was published by a big you know, New York publishing company, but that was back in the days before the internet, you know? Um, and so I couldn't, I had this idea for doing this series of children's books, the P that was me. Um, but I couldn't get a, I couldn't find a publisher for it. So I finally decided, okay, well, I'm just going to publish it myself. You know, um, there is a, a, a print on demand publishing platform through Amazon. Um, were you, the yeah. irony is I haven't I hadn't heard of the one that you had by, done by a big publisher, but I I have heard very well of the one you self published. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we've heard of this. We've heard of the kids ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, isn't that funny? I mean, things have really turned upside down in the world of publishing and and how people find books these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, that has ended up being a, a good way to get the book out there, um, and I, I started the first book in the series of the P that was me was a egg donation for heterosexual couples. Um, and then after that, um, I did a number, I think there's like seven or eight different versions now. And I assume they're just targeted to the different, every, every different configuration of family. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's like, um, sperm donation, heterosexual couples, uh, single women, um, sperm donation, two moms, two dads, uh, embryo donation. Um, oh, so even embryo donation. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I did not know there were so many versions. That's, that's. Yes. Exciting. Yes, there are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you really have the one that fits your family. Exactly. Yeah. You choose the one that fits you. Yeah. Um, so, and then of course, dealing with um, uh, advising people, intended parents who are using surrogates and that kind of thing too. I again realized I loved the book, um, the kangaroo pouch that's been out there for a long time. Um, but that, that, as you probably know, I'm sure you do that. It's, it's really geared more towards the gestational carriers, uh, kids, uh, reading that book rather than, um, the kids of the intended parents. Um, and, um, so that's, that's how the, uh, very kind koala came to be. And do you want to talk about kind of that, that story? I just, for those who might be interested in reading that book. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. All my books are, are very, very simple and straightforward um, and basically tell the story about how um, the mom and dad, you know, wanted the wanted the child so much, but had trouble having them. And in the case of the very coined koala, um, the koala mom, um, her tummy wasn't working quite right. Um, and so she needed the help of a very nice uh, koala bear who had lots of other uh, babies herself and and was um, happy to carry their baby for them. Um, and 
uh, you know, goes, there's pictures of the different families and how they interact with each other. That's all koala, koala bear, uh, families. Um, and then how grateful and happy everybody was at the end and, and, um, and how the koala bear, uh, family who, um, was given the gift of this, um, surrogate pregnancy wrote a thank you, thank you note, um, to the other family. So, Yeah. (laughs) Do your so books target a certain age? Is what's kind of the ideal age that you're envisioning for these? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think my books, you know, can be read to um, very young children, um, and but they're kind of aimed at age three to five or so. Um, certainly, older kids, you know, I think like the like to look at the pictures and enjoy the story. Um, I've, what I've started to do in recent versions of these books is to have room at the back of the book where uh, the child or the parents can actually fill in information about their particular oh, situation. Oh, that is very clever. Yeah. Yeah. Customize cool. it. I love uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So they can talk about, you know, what do they know if it's an egg donor? What do they know about their donor? And if it's a, a surrogate, what, you know, what is their surrogate's name? And um, where does she live and how many kids does she have? It, you know, just the details of the story about um, of the circuit and her family as well. Yeah, that's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Mm, thanks. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. So how you, would you suggest people talk to their kids about this? I mean, obviously, besides just, you know, besides reading the book, which seems mm-hmm. like, you know, that's an easy way to start tool. that conversation. Right. Yeah, no, right. it's a great tool to starting the conversation, but it's not the conversation is what it comes down to, you know, so how, right. how would you suggest people, I mean, from both sides, quite honestly, I mean, I guess starting from the side of, you know, because we hear it, we hear it both ways too, especially a big concern for us is surrogates come to us and say, how do yeah. I explain to my children that yeah. this baby, you know, they're old enough to see that I'm pregnant and they're old enough to know what that means, but how do I explain this baby is not coming home with us. Right. You know, just so starting from that side, how would you suggest people have that conversation? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, I mean, I, I really do think that young children are pretty, um, pretty accepting and, and pretty open about these kinds of things, you know? Um, and, um, and, and I love the way the kangaroo pouch does it. And I try to do something similar with my kangaroo story, uh, which is just that, you know, um, the other mommy couldn't carry the baby in her pouch. And so I needed to use my pouch to, uh, to nurture the baby until it was time for it to be born. And so the, you know, talking to your young child about the fact that um, you want to do something really wonderful for a family that very much wants a baby, but can't have one any other way. This is their baby. And we're going to give that baby back to them as soon as it's born um, but it's a, a an amazing gift, you know, um, for a family who really needs our help. Um, and and I think you know, obviously, for older kids who understand reproduction and that kind of thing, you can of course get into the the whole IVF thing and embryos and you know, uh, if you need to. But I, I, most of the circuits that I know have younger children and. Um, yeah, are, are pretty satisfied with an explanation like that without having to get into a whole lot of technical details about I, it. You know? I, every once in a while I hear like, I'm afraid I'm going to, if they, especially if they have little littles, you know, that are 
pre the age of three, I hear this, am I going to damage my child by doing this? Is this going to cause them some kind of psychological harm? I, I, what, what would you counter to that? Yeah. Are you talking about the, the, uh, if the carrier the has surrogate? really, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the carrier has uh-huh. very young children. Yeah. I don't, I just don't see that, you know, happening actually, you know, um, I, I think that if you're really clear with your kids about what you're doing and whose baby this is, and they get to meet the intended parents, especially, and develop a bond and a connection with those parents, it's just kind of a, I, I think it's just kind of an enriching story rather than anything that could be traumatic for young kids. I, I definitely agree overall, for sure. I, I see the struggle, especially with questions like, how will my child the child of the gestational carrier feel when they're like why can't we why keep why can't we keep him or her like keep it like I really desperately wanted this this baby you know I want this sibling yeah yeah no I hear I hear surrogates talk about that as well you know and I guess that uh, I guess the main thing is 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 hopefully the the two parties the intended parents and the surrogates uh families have a a pretty good ongoing relationship and that and the surrogate's kids can continue to have some kind of a connection with that baby, you know, as they grow up. Right. And then, yeah. so then flipping it the other way then, you know, yeah, starting the conversation uh-huh. with people who, have, and I think it's interesting because we see the gamut, especially on the side of the intended parent side, that either they have very young children and this is a, a starting for a second, you know, starting up for having a second child, you know, right away. Or I've seen a lot of times when it's a, a second marriage. And so then they're dealing with also issues of blended family and the previous child is also much older, you know? So, I mean, how would you broach those conversations as well? Oh, okay. So you're talking about the intended parents um, who already have kids? Correct. In the home? Is, yeah. Okay. Speaking to those children as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, it obviously all depends on the age and developmental stage of the kids that you're, that you're talking about. Um, I mean, I think that um, uh, older kids who are aware of reproduction, how, how it all right, works, and, right. you know, you can have a, a pretty candid, uh, you know, conversation about um, how this is going to work um, and the fact that these embryos, you know, that it takes an egg and a sperm to make an embryo to, to start a baby growing and that the embryo who's going to be there. I guess, sister or brother, um, uh, is, is, uh, was growing in the laboratory, but then the doctor's going to transfer that embryo to the surrogate because mom can't carry the pregnancy, you know? Um, and then, you know, that, that, but that's baby is our baby, you know, and not the surrogate's baby. I think that's where some of the confusion comes in. Um, for a lot of people, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Many people all the way around, (laughs) even even adults. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I I think sometimes kids actually understand it more intuitively than many adults do. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess a lot of people just aren't aware of assisted reproductive technology and what we can do nowadays too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the hardest questions are that you get when it comes to intended parents and talking to their children? Back up one, one uh, second to just say that I think one of the things that, um, that the intended parents and especially intended moms, you know, that I speak with on a pretty regular basis, 
worry about is um, whether their baby might feel more connected with um, the surrogate rather than um, to them. Right. You know? Yeah. Because of the um, nine months of the pregnancy and all of that kind yeah. of thing. And it, is that going to be That's a hard question. problematic? For, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a tough and question. And kind of hearing right. her voice the whole time and those, those kinds of things. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All those kinds of things. And um, I mean, I, I certainly advise if they have a close relationship with the surrogate. Um, yeah. To, to play, uh, you know, play tape recordings of the mom and dad's voices and, you know, that kind of thing um, as well. Um, but, um, but yeah, and I think, uh, you know, getting to your, more directly to your question about then, well, then how do you talk to your kid about the fact that they were carried um, during pregnancy by another woman? Um, and what is that, you know, I think some intended moms worry that um, their kids will think that's kind of sad, maybe, you know, that they, that mom didn't get to carry them. Um, and uh, just sure, I wouldn't say weird exactly, but just not, <laughs> not at ease with the whole situation. Right. You right. know, uh-huh. But is, I mean, is your, in your experience that that's actually how kids see it or is it that that's, adults projecting that's what, what the their fear is. is okay yeah i think that's so much more the fear of the of the adults involved rather than the kids you know kids are kids are so open and you know to and accepting really of 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 the world they're, that they're born into um and and so i think that those fears are really not something that play out in reality at least as far as i've seen say on the other side when it comes to to egg donation i i think those can uh-huh. be even more amplified i imagine just because it's not just uh-huh. these nine months it's a a lifetime of knowing you don't share that same genetic connection that you might have to your father for example yeah 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 exactly exactly and again i mean i think this is where um we do a lot of counseling um, and trying to alleviate people's fears about those kinds of things, because even though, you know, as, as a mother who might have used it or is thinking about using an egg donor to have a child um, may worry that uh, they're always going to feel like the kid is not really their kid, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not going to see themselves in their child in the way that they would with a genetic child. Um, and is that going to be a source of tension or alienation, you know, or something like right. that? Um, yeah. And those, those are a lot of fears that we hear a lot of. Um, but, and again, in reality, and especially with like the psychological studies that have been done on donor conceived kids, it's just really not the case. You know, the kids feel the kids and the parents are totally connected, Mm -hmm. you know, they couldn't be more connected with each other. And even though a child might not actually maybe physically resemble their moms, although in fact, a lot of times they do. Sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's interesting. Um, They'll remember, they will resemble their moms um, in personality, Mm. you know, Right. And uh, and then there's the whole area of epigenetics and what kind of influence the um, uh, mother has on the uh, the growing fetus also. Sure. 
Interesting. Yeah. Nature versus nurture on that. Yeah. yeah. And do, do uh-huh. they, do they yeah. know much about what kind of influence there is from being carried, from being gestated? Yeah. They, as I understand it, and I'm, I'm certainly no expert in this area, um, this is just sort of a, a new field of study. But as, as I understand it, there are effects in the womb of um, certain genes getting turned on and others getting turned off. So even though you might start with the same genetic code in one particular embryo and another one, a, a different womb type of environment, as I understand it, would actually um, make some pretty big differences in, in uh, how the how the child turns out. Interesting. Do they have? A, do you know of examples of what that affects or what that changes? You know, I really sure. don't. I mean, I, I, my my guess would be kind of more personality type oh. um, issues, but you know, yeah, that's, I, it's a fascinating. That's interesting because it yeah. goes both ways to to think of the gestational carrier. If you're yeah. the intended parent, like, what is she changing about my child? So, right. like, so maybe, you should, maybe you I should know. be thinking more like, is she laid back? Is she like assertive? Like, what what am I right. looking for that I want? Right, right, right. Right. I, I guess as we learn more about what, you know, what those actual changes are, it'll, it'll help us with that regard. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh my God. So many questions in this area. Uh, um, no, it is so, so much to deal with. Uh, if you had to yeah. go back to kind of dealing with your own situation, I know you went through different stages of loss. Mm-hmm. Can, are, are mm-hmm. there times when you're like, I wish I had told myself or someone told me this mm-hmm. kind of advice. And I'm sure it can apply to different stages as well of what you went through. Sure, sure, exactly. Well, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I and I, I think I, I say this to the people that I counsel a lot too, is just that it, when you're in the middle of it, you know, it's, it's hell, you know, and you think you're never going to get out of it. And and it just consumes your, it consumes your whole being, you know? Um, but, but I, but what I wish I'd known and which I, I try to tell people that I work with is that, you know, one way or another, you're going to have your family, you know, you, you don't know exactly how your kids are going to come to you, but they will come to you. Um, and it might not be in the way that you imagined or you hoped or, you know, uh, you wished, but, but, you know, they're going to be there and this period of your life will end, you know, most definitely. Yeah. What about pregnancy loss? What would you have said to yourself? It's, it's so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, I think that, um, similar kind of, um, counsel, I think is just that, it, it hurts a lot, especially at the beginning. It's, it's um, a, a kind of grief that is, is um, more or less invisible because it's the loss of a potential uh, baby and not an actual baby or child. And so the outside world doesn't really kind of get yeah. it. I mean, I know, level, I know it know? is potential, but it's so hard not to have a name mm-hmm. and a vision and kind of a life story mm-hmm. for this child of everything you imagined. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And I think for a lot of people that starts really early, I think it from the time mm-hmm. they get the positive pregnancy test or they see the first ultrasound, you know? Sure. Yeah. And that, that makes it so much more real and so much uh, strong, the reaction so much stronger and harder um, to cope with. Um, but again, I mean, I think uh, it, it's, it's almost like, you know, yeah, the intensity, the pain will pass, you know, um, with time and with resolution and with, um, having, having the family that you want, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice that there are all these options now in terms oh, of it's repro- amazing. Oh, amazing. Yeah. The, the jumps forward. Oh, yeah. Um, so for, for someone who might be listening and, you know, struggling with any of, I mean, you're, you're such an expert in so much of it. So we're kind of jumping around. And I apologize okay. for that, where it's talking to children, whether they're the gestational carrier or talking to your children as the mm-hmm. intended parent or going mm-hmm. through your, this journey yourself. What are, aside from your amazing books, of course, mm-hmm. what are the, the resources you can recommend or ways when someone seeks help from someone like you, how does that, how does that work? And what, what can you suggest to get the kind of support that people might need? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How to get the, how to find the help that you need and just making it through this, this whole process. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that you can use your fertility clinic, whatever clinic you're, you're working with as a resource to locate, um, counselors, who specialize in um, the psychological issues surrounding um, infertility and assisted reproduction. Um, And there are a number of us now, you know, uh, that are part of like a national um, organization of mental health professionals um, through ASRM, which is American Society of Reproductive Medicine. And you can also go on that website and, um, put in, you know, wherever you live, uh, look for, yeah, look for mental health professionals, um, and, uh, find people that way as well. But yeah, there's a lot of experts, a lot of expertise in this area with counseling people, both through the stress and the grief of infertility. And also with, you know, the, um, the whole piece of how do you cope with moving on to, um, an unusual method of having a child, whether that be, um, using an egg donor or a gestational carrier or using a donor and a gestational carrier. <laughs> I <know>? mean, these, <laughs> these are usual for me, but I, I get the language that like weird or unusual that right. many people feel about it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Not, not, we- not weird, just less. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. But you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about that reproductive dream. Nobody dreams about, you know, using an egg donor and a gestational carrier, you know, to have a baby. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I think you've given us so much to, to think about so much to, I mean, to process. And I mean, a lot of, okay. I think a lot of hope for people, quite honestly, because I mean, it is one of the most common things that we hear is, you know, how do we deal with our children? And, you know, from both sides. And so it's really useful to, to yeah. repeatedly to not just yeah. come from, you know, us or any other, you, you know, person, random person on the street. It's good to hear from a professional that, yes, you're, you're doing all right. You're doing it the right ways. Have these open conversations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, right. I mean, I think uh, there's so much more fear around talking to kids about these issues than is 
than is really, I think, actually justified, you know, because as I say, I think kids, kids are very, they're just open and accepting and they're, you know, you present things in a positive way to them, they're going to, they take their cue from, you know, the parents and the adults in their lives and they feel good about it too, you know? Yeah. Well, we really appreciate all you've done to, I mean, as the research grows, that clearly talk to your, talk to your children and not knowing how to do it. And then you providing these amazing tools that provides an easy way that you're having story time in the evening and, Oh, look at this good book. Yeah, let's read, let's read this one. Oh, interesting. That's so much like that happens to be yeah. like our family. <laughs> oh, interesting. And it has cute koalas in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, thank you. And um, I'm actually in the process of, of uh, creating some, uh, special um, baby books for <gasps> kids who, yeah, oh, for parents, yeah. yeah, for parents who've used donor procedures and/or that, surrogates. So. That's exciting. Oh, I love what, it. Yeah. Oh. What should pe- how do people find them? What are they called? Um, well, the, I, I don't actually have them um, set up yet, okay. but um, yeah, but they will be available <laughs> probably in the oh, next good. six months okay. or so. Okay. Um, oh, good. I think I think they're going to be. Yeah, I haven't set set on a title yet, so but um, yeah. Yeah, uh, they will be out there on Amazon uh, probably in the next six months. That's that's brilliant. Well, we will definitely link to the P that was me and the very kind koala to make sure that's an easy easy find for everyone. But let us oh, okay. let us when know the, and when, when the other one comes, comes up, out, yeah, we'll say we'll link to those too. Yeah. Your your fans <laughs> okay. following your work. Oh well, thank you so much. And I actually have a website uh, that has descriptions of all my books. Called, Perfect. Um, oh, good. Yeah, booksfordonorkids.com. So, yeah. Booksfordonorkids.com. We'll link to that too so that people can find that as well. And yeah, and everybody will be able to go back and find all these absolutely fantastic resources. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing sharing all of this with us yourself and, you know, ways, ways that we can help kids get through this. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. And you guys are doing great work. And thank you for asking me on. Thank you to Kim for creating so many great resources. And I think the real um, helpful lesson of listening to Kim is that there are people out here who are great resources, as well as more and more books that are coming out that can be really helpful for explaining these concepts and different family formations. And even the fact that one of her books has seven different versions kind of shows that um, there's so many different ways to form a family. And now there's more resources that can be more customized and tailored to, to explaining your family. We, we want to give a shout out. We ran into uh, Lauren at uh, Men Having Babies over the recently, and just, it was really great to talk to somebody who had listened to our podcast and had such wonderful Yay. things to say. We and know at least so one person listens. Thank one, you, Lauren. We have one listener. Thank you, Lauren. We so should we just really just start out, out like saying hi, Lauren, each one, like, Lauren, hey, another one for yeah. you. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> but we do like other feedback as well. And we have been, we, we get emails from people and we like to hear from people if they want to call and leave us a message. The number is 303 
1903. So we're always excited to hear from people. And we would be remiss if we do not thank everybody who is responsible for making us actually sound reasonably good. I mean, you know, they have to polish up with what we start with. Good. So, good you know, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, but so not, no, huge... not worse, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. No. But a huge thanks to Chris at Work at Bird Studios, who uh, we we definitely sometimes ask an awful lot of him to get things done yeah. quickly. And so it's, it's a lot of, and he, really he is it. good. I'm just saying he has to work with what we give him. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's us. That's, <laughs> it's us. That's the problem. You have to, like, you can't, you, you if you're given a, a pile of poo, you have to shine it. Right. <laughs> Ouch. Which is not I'm saying that about you. Yes, yeah. What is happening, especially right. our amazing guests. So yeah, no, our guests are awesome. It's just uh, us that maybe sometimes, but also um, our, team behind us is does an incredible job so um especially thanks you to amanda and Lindsay. we we love you please keep keep making us look awesome and sound awesome and and of course always thank you for all of you for listening so thanks so much 